episode 71 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication studies. So in the last few episodes, I've, trying, I've been trying to talk about uh, things that masters of communication do, regardless of the genre or the place or the context or the number of people involved in the communicative interaction. Today, I'm going to group together three different practices that are all located in slightly different contexts, but they share a common characteristic that all good communicators have. And I think that common characteristic is the ability to sense uh, tension or conflict or anxiety, and then look for ways to alleviate or alter or transform uh, or uh, deal with that tension or that anxiety somehow. So these are all kind of ways of responding profoundly to some kind of conflict or tension that really good communicators can kind of pick up on and effectively deal with. So the three of them are repair attempts in interpersonal interactions, um, their face-saving techniques in uh, in social interactions, and their techniques of de-escalation in political or um, professional uh, settings. So I want to talk about each of the three of them, but remember each of the three of them, are kind of, they kind of co- they kind of coordinate around this uh, ability to alleviate or, or take care of or address tension effectively or conflict effectively. Uh, okay, so what is a repair attempt? Um, a repair attempt is any kind of communicative act that um, that attempts to um, that attempts to uh, how should I put it it's just it, it attempts to diffuse negativity or tension and the purpose of diffusing that negativity or attention is to make sure that a conflict doesn't amplify itself or get out of control too suddenly and so repair attempts are what people in really successful interpersonal relationships are able to do or to to master or to employ. And by interpersonal relationships, I mean friendships, I mean parent-child interpersonal relationships, I mean intimate partnerships, etc. I mean all of those forms of interpersonal relationships. So a master communicator knows, okay, I'm in a situation, negativity uh, is present. And uh, I, I might put this as like, the negative affective states, physiological affective states that are kind of negative, that are, are, are coordinated with the flight response that people have, are present. So people are feeling anxious, they're feeling negative, they're feeling stress, uh, they're feeling worry, their heart rate is up, they're sweating more than they normally would, they have their blood pressure is up, etc. So all these things are happening in an interpersonal interaction. A master, of communica- a master communicator recognizes the presence of that tension and that negativity, and then tries out of that to find a a communicative means of diffusing some of that negativity. 
And there's a couple kind of categories of communicative acts that are really good or really helpful at diffusing that level of negativity, uh, that level of stress. I think in some ways, uh, one of the most important are, are called stop actions, um, where a good communicator will just say like, okay, I sense the negativity. Let's take a break for a second. Um, or might say, I sense people are feeling flooded and flooded is the word for like feeling a whole bunch of intense emotions really quickly. Um, let's stop the conversation for a moment. Uh, let's go do something else and we can start again in a few minutes. Uh, another, another kind of what's called a stop action is to just change the topic. Like people are really are feeling really negative or flooded about some particular point of a conversation. You pivot the topic away from that to something else. Um, or you ask to just stop talking about that topic for a while so that they can pay attention to some other topic for a while. Um, so those are kind of simple repair, uh, repair techniques. There are a lot of others. Um, a lot of them have to do with focusing on uh, getting people to recognize one's own needs in an interpersonal interaction. So you can say, you know, someone good at communication at, at repair techniques in, in an interpersonal relationship can say, you know, I'm feeling defensive right now. So, you know, I don't feel like I'm being understood right now. Uh, I feel like I'm being criticized unfairly right now. Uh, I'm getting worried here. I'm getting scared. Uh, please say something to me that's calmer or nicer. So you kind of announce your needs in that communicative interaction because you know that the negativity is kind of spiraling out of control. You can also say things like, I need things to be calmer right now, or um, I need you to listen to me right now, uh, or I can you, instead of talking, can we just hold hands? Um, instead of arguing about this, can we, uh, I need to, you know, go for a walk. Can we go for a walk together? Um, uh, can we take a break and do something together that's not this conversation? Um, you can also, of course, the repair technique is uh, also involves apologizing. Say, you know, my reactions were too extreme and I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I can see this was my fault. Um, I can make, how can I make things better for this? Or let's try that one, that again, and let me try and say it in a different kind of manner. Um, and you can also acknowledge or validate the other person's point of view as a repair attempt. So I agree with part of what you're saying, or I think we can compromise here, or I think we're able to find common ground here. Um, or I never thought of it the way that you're thinking of it, and that makes some sense to me. Uh, this problem that we're dealing with isn't very serious if we think about the larger picture. Um, let's try and include both our views in a, some sort of solution. So you're trying to, to validate the other person's perspective also. Those are all basic repair techniques. There are more um, idiosyncratic, I would call them idiosyncratic repair techniques. When anyone is in a good kind of successful interpersonal relationship, those people in that relationship have to find their own repair techniques, what works for them, um, so that they can transition to some other more positive state out of that negative state. And again, the worry here is what you're trying to prevent is that kind of spiral or an amplification of negativity. Uh, you're trying to diffuse it in the moment so that it doesn't get out of hand and it doesn't become destructive of the relationship. So those are our repair attempts. And really good communicators are kind of masters, masterful at repair attempts. 
Um, I don't want to talk about how gendered this can be sometimes, but boy, it's hard to ignore the fact that it seems like this is not a strong communicative um, uh, capacity in lots of men who don't seem to be, don't seem to have very good repair techniques on hand. Uh, but I don't want to overgeneralize here. I, I run into lots of people who are not any good at repair attempts at all. And, and these kinds of repair attempts, um, there are also, like, I don't want to make this just about intimate relationships. Like, if you work with someone and you work with a person and you have a meeting with them or whatever and there's this, like, negativity and there's this tension and there's a disagreement in that work situation and you leave the meeting, uh, a really good communicator will make a repair attempt after the fact anyway. They'll come to you after the meeting and say, you know, I agreed with part of what you were saying. This part over here seemed really sensible, but I think where we were disagreeing was here. Or, you know, I might be wrong, and but I'm glad we had a moment to take a break, and I feel less intense about things right now, so I think we can have a more constructive conversation. Uh, or I see your point. I thank you for that point. That was a good point. I understand. I'm appreciative of what you're trying to do. So after the work conflict, a person that's really good at communication will come back and make a repair attempt so that you feel affectively still connected to that person. And so it, whether it's interpersonal, like an intimate interpersonal relationship or a professional interpersonal relationship, if one remembers that relationality is the achievement of communication. So what a repair attempt is, is an attempt to kind of maintain uh, that sense of relationality in the presence of stress and negativity and conflict and disagreement and discord and right at the moment when the relationship is trying to pull itself apart, somebody kind of holds it together a little longer so that you can create the grounds for more constructive interactions. You know, it's like putting a piece of duct tape on, on the part of your car that's about to fall off. Like you need to hold on to that, that connection for long enough so the kind of deeper, more substantive cooperative work can get, can get done later on. So masters of communication are, are masters at repair attempts. Um, okay, there's also face saving, and face saving is like a, a slightly less intense uh, form of of uh, repair attempts, but it's equally as important. So face saving involves uh, communicative acts that allow others to avoid being embarrassed or avoid losing social status. So what you're doing with face saving is something happens to a person and they feel that rush of negativity. They're embarrassed, they're uncomfortable, they feel awkward, they feel upset with themselves, and a face-saving technique diffuses that for that person, kind of alleviates that negativity for that person, and prevents that negativity from entering into the communicative interaction or the communicative circumstances. Um, so let's say someone, you know, you're sitting in a meeting, someone walks in, and they trip and drop their water, bo water bottle over the floor and it makes a giant mess in the room. Uh, and so that person is immediately feeling negative. They're feeling embarrassed, they're, they're upset. So a good the good communicator in the room will figure out how to help that person save face there. And you might say something, oh, you know, that the reason was that the door, um, there was a, a electrical cord under the door and it wasn't in the right position. So whoever put that there was just asking for trouble. So they've given you an excuse. Or, oh, that happened to me just yesterday, too. I spilled a coffee. It was even worse. All over so-and-so, like the president of the university's lap, and it was really terrible. So you make 
you, you take attention away from that person and you put the attention on yourself so that that person has a moment to compose themselves or to diffuse their negativity. Um, or let's say someone is being blamed for something at work and, you know, someone's saying, well, you know, John over there, it was really his fault. He did a terrible thing. Like that was really poor work that he did. And then you raise your hand and say, well, you know, it wasn't John's fault. It was really my fault. I didn't give him the right tools to succeed. So we can't all blame him. We have to share blame all around. So you're trying to diffuse the negative feelings that John's feeling. Um, so saving face is important. Um, culturally, it's a really, really important thing because we are invested in our personal status and our status is the kind of primary means of trusting relationships. So who do we trust? Like, how do we get people to trust? Um, it, it, if there's like wide social trust uh, happens when there's a lot of face saving and face saving is kind of like mandatory or ritualized or socially expected. So to embarrass another person is to really insult them and challenge them to conflict. And we do a lot of communicative labor, making sure we're not embarrassing other people. Um, so, you know, so people are always thinking, okay, how do I get other people to trust me? Well, try face saving. Try when someone else, when you sense someone else, the presence of negativity and stress and tension in someone else because of some action that just happened. They're embarrassed that they didn't do well at work. They think they got a bad grade in an assignment. Help them save face. Say, oh, I got an even worse grade than you did on, on that assignment. It's because the, the teacher is not a jerk, not because there's something wrong with you. Um, so help them save face and that will build, ultimately that will build trust. Um, Okay, the third technique is called de-escalation. And de-escalation is super important in politics and we have none of it right now, which is really harming uh, the North American political landscape in a lot of ways. Um, there is a, um, a famous uh, social organizer um, or organizer, political organizer named Saul Alinsky who wrote a book, a wonderful book called Rules for Radicals. And Linsky uh, organized kind of protests and workers to gain rights and uh, from from their employers to gain kind of advantage over their employers. Uh, and Linsky was deeply interested in, in justice. And he also used these really kind of escalating techniques. Um, he was interested in conflict and he thought conflict was important. And he drove uh, people into conflict or into conflict situations. But he also always practiced de-escalation. De so let's say you want to you want to have a kind of strike or a protest, and you want to target a particular uh, politician, and like that politician is the reason that you can't get some sort of policy approved or whatever. So you organize the protest. The protest targets the politician. You make these signs. So and so the politician is a jerk. They're a liar. They're awful. Um, we hate them, they're responsible for death and for all this. Other. So you've really attacked this person, you made a public display of it. What do you do after that? Well, Olinsky, what Olinsky would do after that is that he would go ask that politician if they wanted to have a beer. Uh, he would go, you know, share their favorite food with them. Uh, he would change the subject, just like you do in an interpersonal relationship. You and your partner are having a fight, and you're like, okay, let's stop the fight for a second. Can we just like watch a stand-up comedy show on Netflix and laugh together for a few minutes? Um, Alinsky did a version of that politically. He's like, okay, we really attacked you yesterday, and that was a really big conflict that we were involved in. Uh, but it's today. Today's a new day. Um, you know, I hear you like fishing. Here's a new fishing rod for you. 
um, or, you know, do you want to get a beer sometime and talk about like what we might work on together, et cetera. So these techniques of de-escalation uh, in the kind of public settings like that take the, the drama and the tension and the negativity of political conflict and then uh, find, just like an inter interpersonal space, find a way to hold on to some bit of relationality uh, in the face of potential kind of devastating opposition or division. And uh, so we know that there's always techniques of de-escalation kind of professionally too. Let's say you're in a meeting and you fight or argue with someone else in that meeting. You really want the, the, your organization to do X. They want their organization to do Y. Uh, X wins. And you spent the whole meeting slamming Y and telling everyone how dumb Y was and what a stupid idea it was. You know, okay, what does a master of communica communication do? Well, after that meeting, you go and ask the person that was advocating why for lunch. Uh, you ask them to have a beer after work or get a coffee. Uh, and you try your best to find common ground with that person to de-escalate the, the negativity. Otherwise, that negativity will linger. And it will linger for years, potentially, if there's no act of, uh, of de-escalation. If you don't make any attempt to repair, to hold on to some feature of that relationship, it will get more toxic over time instead of there being any chance of cooperation or collaboration or working together with that person. So masters of communication do all three of these things. They're really good at repair attempts in interpersonal situations. They're really good at face saving in social situations. And they're really good at de-escalation in political or um, professional circumstances when there's high degrees of conflict over a decision or a course of action. And the reason masters of communication are really good at face-saving, at uh, de-escalation, uh, and at repair attempts is because they recognize that in communication, the value, the, the tremendous value of relationality, and they realize that the presence of negativity and tension and stress and anxiety over a division or a conflict threatens the connective tissue holding a relationship together. And sometimes they also recognize that's fine. Like we want people to change. Sometimes we have to push them. Sometimes we have to push them hard. Sometimes conflict facilitates change in really, really important ways. Sometimes, all the time, we cannot in life avoid conflict. People are different. They have different ideas. They have different commitments, different beliefs, etc. But even though conflict is inevitable, we don't sacrifice relationality for uh, the inevitability of conflict. We recognize that that conflict opens up a space for the possibility of repair attempts, de-escalation, or face-saving uh, that will manufacture more trust in, in the long run. So if you're able to de-escalate, if you're able to save face, if you're able uh, to engage in effective repair techniques, you can withstand or survive negativity and still preserve relationality. You can somehow hold on to the, the connection or the relationship without sacrificing that relationship to the, the stress or the tension of conflict or the presence of, of negativity. Um, and masters of communication know that and can do that. They can really hold on to relationality in the face of tension and negativity, most often by employing techniques that will diffuse that negativity, that will let it 
kind of be and then let it evaporate. Um, and uh, so I'd ask, you know, anybody that's listening to this, ask yourself, you know, how good am I at repair attempts, at space saving, at de-escalation? Am I able to diffuse negativity when I sense it uh, and stress and tension? And if I'm able to diffuse that, how do I do it? And does it help me gain trust, the trust from other people? Um, and where am I not good at it? Am I not fulfilling my obligation to do those things and maintain those relationships? And if I'm not, then look out because you're creating persistent negativity and persistent tension that will kind of crystallize and harden into a whole um, divisive way of, of living with another person or another group of people if that negativity is always present. Uh, okay, so that's it for episode 71. Remember those things, three things, you know, practice repair attempts, practice de-escalation, practice face saving out there. So thanks everyone for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode.